Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. We got to get out of that mindset that I come to church for me. You don't come to church for you. Look to the left or right, you come to the church, church for those people. When you start coming to church for you, then it becomes a selfish act. Because you're just looking for what you can get out of the day. But when you come to church with a mindset of what can I do to change somebody's life today? What can I do to make somebody feel better? When you come, the result of you coming for that reason is that you'll get blessed. That's why we don't teach give to get. Sow a seed for what you need. It goes against the principles of God. Not, and I'm not talking about, you know, you sow a seed. When you see a need, you meet that need, and the result of meeting that need is you will receive. So when I want more grace in my life, I don't go give grace because I want more grace. I give grace because I see somebody needs grace. I get forgiveness not because I want to forgive you, but sometimes people need to know that I forgive them for stuff they've done to me. <laughs> Is that a little too deep? I give love to people not because I want love back, but because I see what love does for people. When people realize that they, somebody cares, when people see that they count, and when people see that they matter, it changes their life. And as a result of me meeting that need for that person, God makes sure that I'm taken care of. That there's people that love me because I love others. There's a scripture that says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, shaking, pressed together, running over. You guys know the scripture, right? We, we use it for offering all the time. But if you go to the scripture, it says nothing about money. It talks about forgiveness. It talks about grace. So, if I give a lot of grace, guess what I'm going to get? I need more grace than I need money. I need more forgiveness than I need money. I had to check the time. I was on my soapbox. Praise the Lord. Saints, we're in the last day. We are in the last day. And I want to make church a place that is fun to come to, where we serve one another, and as a result of serving each other, as in the book of Acts, nobody in this place will go without, they won't have a want. You understand what I'm saying? Now, you know what I mean by want, right? Because there's a difference between a want and a need. <laughs> there's a lot of things I want. But I'll be honest with you, God has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I'm a need of nothing. I'm, I'm trying to get to the place where, where David was when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <laughs> okay, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all the things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. His divine power has given to us all things 
that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So I have all things. I already have everything that pertains to life and godliness. I have it already. Or is it saying that I get it through knowing him? See, what the scripture is telling us is that when we begin to know God is the moment that we begin to have those things that pertain to life and godliness. So many people are trying to live godly and live holy, but they have no knowledge of God. Now, when we're talking about knowledge of God, we're not talking about I know who he is. We're talking about something way more deeper than that. So we're going to continue on our series of knowing God. And we've learned in the last few weeks that uh, that word know in the Bible, it means an experiential, intimate, continuous encounter that causes a person to conceive. We found out the same way that Adam knew Eve, his wife, she conceived. The Bible says, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived. In the same way, God wants us to know him that we may conceive. It's only in being intimate with Jesus Christ can we conceive or become pregnant with purpose. So many of us are looking for God to deposit something in us, but we're not being intimate with him. There has to be an intimacy with God. We also learn that once we have conceived uh, this purpose and this plan in our lives, it's up to us on how this purpose and destiny is developed. So just like a pregnant woman, when a woman's pregnant, she has to change her lifestyle. Same way as when you give your life to Christ, your lifestyle needs to change. You eat differently. Amen? And we know that the Bible says that, that man shall not live off of bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So as we get pregnant with purpose, when we're intimate with God, we have to continue to feed what's inside of us. We have to continue to read his word. Continue to hear his word so that which in us will continue to grow. We also need to exercise. You don't just want to get pregnant and sit still. It's not good for you, and it's not good for the baby. But also when you get born again, you need to exercise. Exercise your faith. The Bible says in James, it says, ask me in my faith, and I'll show you my works. He exercises his faith by doing, not by just believing. Believing and, and having faith are two different things. I know you're a Christian by what you do, not by what you say. Too many people are those word-of-mouth Christians. Amen. I, I should see all Christians should be serving because Christian means follower of Christ, and follower of Christ is being Christ-like, and Christ said, I come to serve. And once again, pregnant women, they need lots of rest. Thank you. There's some women in here that are feeling me. You guys should have been helping me out the last few weeks. Why is it pregnant women always get tired? Well, they're carrying around a life inside of them that takes a lot out of them. Can I get amen? They don't realize, like, man, why am I so tired? They take naps through the day. They can't get a lot of stuff done because there's something inside of them that seems to be pulling away from their natural strength. And see, when we get pregnant with purpose, what happens a lot of times we get weary in well-doing because that which is inside of us is, is trying to kill your natural self, your flesh. And it's hard when your flesh dies. It's not easy. 
as I said earlier about pressing coming to church, pressing, listening to the word, pressing, pressing, pressing. All this pressing is tiring, but we need to rest. And you guys know the Bible says, come unto me, all those that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need to spend time at the feet of Jesus in prayer. So many of us Christians aren't doing that. We go through our lives, we'll read the word, but we never talk to Jesus. That's like me having a relationship with my wife and looking at her picture every day, but never taking time to talk to her. That's how serious it is. So we need to learn how to do that. In Acts chapter 4, verse 16 through 20, I'm going to take a turn real, real quick here. Acts chapter 4, 16 through 20 says this. Saying, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a noble, noble, notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of parents do their kids. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Okay, you guys, okay, what did that mean? Let me give you a little background on this story. In the book uh, of Acts, chapter 3, we find John and Peter, they're apostles. They were going into the temple to spread the word about Jesus. And they were going through a gate called Beautiful. And as they were going through the gate called Beautiful, there was a, Bible, a man that sat there, and in the Bible, his name was lame from his mother's womb. Didn't give him a name, but they, they called him by what he was. Kind of like we label people as thieves and degenerates. But he was there every day. The gate called Beautiful. Now, how he got there, we really don't know, but we do know that every day somebody brought him to the gate called Beautiful because he was unable to work. And the only way that he could get anything is if he sat there and begged every day. So as he was sitting there, John and Peter were walking in to the temple to worship. And they look, and Peter looks at the lame man and tells him, he says, look upon me. And the lame man turns up and looks at him like he's expecting to get some money. And Peter says these famous words that we all know. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately he rose up leaping and dancing, and everyone saw the miracle that was performed in Jesus' name. This caused the crowd to gather, and Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost, he began to preach, and he preached in the name of Jesus now, this caused a huge problem with him standing there and preaching because the Sadducees were seeing everything that he was doing, and they're like, Paul, I mean, uh, Peter is preaching in Jesus' name. And because they were preaching with such passion, because everybody saw a miracle, 5,000 people were saved. I don't know about you, but you think about 5,000 people. You're preaching to 5,000 people. 
I've had altar calls where there were 15 people at the altar. But we're talking 5,000 people that give their lives to Christ. Because somebody preached with passion. Now, it's amazing what a person that is passionate about Christ can do for the kingdom. When you have passion, there's a lot of things you could do for Jesus Christ. So this, in our third install of Knowing God, I want to talk to you today about passion. I want to talk to you about spiritual passion, the kind of passion that motivated those guys in Acts to go and stand, to go to the temple and preach Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, what is passion? Passion is an extremely strong emotion based on something very deep inside. It's more than just liking something or having an appreciation for a thing. The Bible describes passion as zeal. Now, people are passionate or zealous about many things. A lot of us are passionate about our work and our jobs. We strive to succeed. We're passionate about possessions, striving to have more. We're passionate about our hobbies, our interests. And a lot of us in here are passionate about our sports teams. Now, let's think of this. We always have enough time, enough energy, and enough money for those things we are passionate about. Always have enough time, we always have enough money, we always have enough energy for that which we're passionate about. The question is, are we passionate about God? (laughs) Colossians 3 and 23 says this, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily or passionately as unto the Lord and not as unto men. In our text this morning, we see the Apostle Paul uses the word heartily, which really literally means passionate from the soul. Paul is admonishing us to whatever we do, we need to do it passionately for God, no matter what it is. Whether it's your job away from church or whether you're here at church serving. We talked earlier about coming to church and sometimes it's hard to get here. But what if we were all passionate? about serving God's people. Wouldn't be so hard to press, would it? Spiritually, passion happens when someone has an intimate moment with Jesus Christ. And when we know Christ on an intimate level, it creates a zeal and a passion to serve him. Now, this kind of passion can't be phony. It can't be faked. It's something that comes from deep inside. It comes from, like, I remember those times when I first gave my life to Christ. When I would come to church, I couldn't wait to get to church. I couldn't wait to serve. I couldn't wait to make a difference. And that all was developed from an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. When you're passionate about something, it becomes your priority. Can I say that again? When you're passionate about something, it becomes your priority. How many people are passionate about their kids? They're your priority in your life, right? How about paying your house note? I'm just trying trying to connect some things for you because you're like, okay, what is passion? Because we have this obscured vision and perverted vision of what passion is. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. 
But before we can develop this passion for somebody, you have to know them first. And when I say no, I mean an experiential kind of no. The more I got to know my wife, the more experiences I had with her, the more passion I developed for my wife. Get your minds out the gutter. Intimacies. Passion and being passionate is not about sex. I didn't get too many amens on that one. They're like, I don't know about that one, Pastor. I, I, I'm sorry, you know, because on TV, when people give a passionate kiss, and, and just because somebody names it doesn't mean that's what it really is. Because I'm gay, and I've been gay for years. I'm happy. Yeah, because they're looking at it like, wait a minute, wait, uh, aren't you married? Or what's happening here? When I was young, gay meant happy. They still, people still shocked. They ain't even hear me. They're like, he's gay? <laughs> I am not homosexual. But we like to change the meaning of words. And because we hear that word passionate, that word passionate has been turned into a word that, that's really perverted. When passionate just means that it's a priority. My wife didn't become a priority in my life until I got to know her. And when I was intimate with my wife, and I'm talking about not even in, in a natural kind of way, but an intimate with her in my talking and spending time with her, getting to know who she is, sitting back, watching how she does things and what affects her in her life and paying attention to that and make sure I operate off of how she has been created. And as I did that, and as I began intimate with her in those things, I began to develop a passion for her. My passion is that my wife is my priority. Kind of like Jesus' priority is his wife. Y'all didn't catch that, did you? You have so many people that talk about this, people in the world, that Jesus, you know, Jesus was married. It's just not in the Bible. I'm not, no, I agree with you. He is married. And it is in the Bible. He's married. His wife is called uh, the church. <laughs> You're just looking at it with carnal eyes and don't understand spiritually that he's married to the church, which is his body. And he's devoted. He's passionate about his church. He's so passionate. The church is such a priority that he gave his life for it. Passion is the drive, the desire, and the longing to want to be with, be a part, and be involved. That's passion. My passion for my wife means I want to be with her, I want to be a part of her life, and I want to be involved in everything she's involved in. Jesus is still passionate about his bride. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. It was the passion of Christ for you that caused him to give his life. He was passionate about you. So we're asking, why is passion such a priority? Why is passion in being a Christian such a priority? Well, number one, God deserves, desires passionate believers. God desires passionate believers. Titus 2 and 14, 
It says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a particular people, zealous, which is passionate of good works. He wants us to be as passionate for him as he is for us. Now, just in our carnal minds, and those of us that are married or have been in relationships, and you're passionate about somebody, you love somebody, you want to be involved with them, you want to be a part of their life, don't you want that reciprocated? It's no fun being with somebody that doesn't feel the same way about you. <laughs> Actually, that's not a relationship. It's usually a parasite. Romans 12 and 11, it says not slothful in business, but fervent, fervent, meaning passionate in spirit, serving the Lord. It's Paul giving us commandments on how we're supposed to act when we serve. We're supposed to be passionate, and we can't be passionate about God's people until we're passionate about God. Some people think Christianity is some inward journey that should be uh, seen and not heard. Our faith should be fervent or boiling over for God. Something church should be a place where it's nice and quiet. Shh, let's be reverent. But God admonish, admonishes us all to be fervent in spirit, serving him. We should be passionate for him and not pa and, and passionate for what not passionate for what he could do for us. Because a lot of us are just passionate about what God could do. I don't need to go down that lane. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12. Even so, ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. This is what Paul is saying, if I can break it down for you. He says, you're so passionate about what God's giving you, but why don't you be more passionate about building the church? I let that sink in for a second. Because so many of us are seeking for the gifts for ourselves. Watch this. I just want to help the church. So I'm asking God for this gift so that I can help the church. I believe he looked at Moses and said, what is in your hand? Which basically means what you have now can help the church. Why don't you start building the church first before you start asking for gifts? Better yet, it's like, it's like somebody going, hey, I can do this job, but I need you to pay me first before I start doing the job. Start serving, start edifying, start building, create passion, start building the church, and your gifts will be manifested. But God wants you to be zealous and passionate about him. Your passion of God for God will show in your zeal to build and strengthen his church. Second thing, passion is the first step towards accomplishment. Because is there things in your life that you want to accomplish? Some, some of us want to accomplish college, and we want to go to school. We want, there's things in our lives that we want to do. But if we do it half-heartedly, we're never going to make it. See, some, for some of us, the thought, we're passionate about, passionate about thinking about it, but we're not passionate about the work. See, when we become passionate about the work, that's when things will get done. We accomplish 
that which motivates us. And whatever we are passionate about, we're going to make happen. <laughs> I've seen people, I, 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 it, it boggles my mind. I see people that don't have money for rent, money for PG&E. They don't have money for anything else, but they got money for cable. Because they're passionate about TV. I'm passionate about what other people think about me. So I'll live in the trap. I'll live in the ghetto. But I'm going to drive this Benz. See, what people are passionate about, they'll do. They'll find a way. Come on, somebody. I've seen people that were, that were so passionate about making sure their family was taken care of that they went without. And I didn't have to ask him what his passion was. Because whatever you're passionate about will show. <laughs> the question is, again, what drives us? We will accomplish what drives us. If we develop a passion for God... We're going to grow spiritually. If we become a church with a passion for God, we're going to grow. We're growing now. But I don't want a church full of people that are just lukewarm. We want a church full of passionate people. A passionate church will reach its goals because it becomes a priority to them. And a passionate church is made up of passionate individuals. You guys, right now in here, do you guys have to understand that you are a link in this chain? And this church is only as passionate as it is its apathetic link. Okay, we're using them big words, Pastor. I had to look it up, too. Apathetic. Apathetic, it means lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. When, you're have, when you have apathy, you're devoid of passion. There's so too many apathetic Christians. And there's a, worm, a word that rhymes with apathetic. Look, I didn't even have to say it. Pathetic. Apathetic Christians are pathetic. If you're not passionate about God, then you're apathetic. In order for us to create a passion for God, we have to get to know him intimately. And when we are intimate with God, we'll become pregnant with purpose and passion. We show our passion uh, for God by serving his body, his people. Not just working in the church, but having a fervor, a zeal, an excitement to do the will of God. The will of God for all believers is to be conformed in the image of Christ. And we know that Christ is a servant, so that he calls us to serve. We said the Bible said that the Son of Man came to serve and not be served. God wants the building Christian fellowship to be a church full of passion and passionate about serving his people. God doesn't want uh, all of us to just work. He wants us to work hard, but he wants our hearts. He wants your passion. He wants your love. If we offer work without passion, we'll be just like the church in Ephesus. Okay? In the book of Revelations, as I bring this to a close. In the book of Revelations, we see a church that had many praises. 
There was a church that did many great works. Verse 4, it said, after they did all, all this work, he says, I have something against you. So you're doing a lot of work. You're doing a lot of good. You're feeding the homeless. You make a difference in the community. You're coming to church. But you're doing it just as work because it's something to do. Jesus said, I have something against you. What do you got against me, God? I'm working. I'm serving. I'm giving. He's the reason why I have something against you is because you left your first love. You're not passionate. You're just going about doing the work with no love. It seems that the church of Ephesus was probably passionate about Jesus at one time. But somewhere along the way, they got caught up in church. Just doing the work. I want to encourage you. We have lots of people here that do that serve. You know, I go by the saying, if you ain't serving, you ain't saved. But even more so, the Bible says, I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It said, you could move mountains. You could speak in the tongues of angels. But if you do it without love, it means nothing. What is that telling me? That I could make miracles? I could do all kinds of stuff, churchy. But if I do it without passion, if I do it without love, it's empty. And I'll be like the church of Ephesus. God's going to have something against me. He's going to say, return to your first love. Where is your passion? I remember there were times you used to dream about coming to church and serving people. I remember there were times that all you wanted to do was please me. But now you're coming to church trying to show yourself, make yourself look like a Christian because people have become your God and you want to serve just so people won't say nothing to you. What about me? They left their first love. Jesus told them, remember, therefore, from which thou art fallen, and repent and do your first work. What is our first work as Christians? Loving Jesus. That first work is developing a real relevant relationship through knowing God and being passionate to serve him and serve his people. You guys remember this. Apathy is not a condition of your mind. It's a condition of your heart. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.